Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Tagno alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. We have a great show planned for you today. Week one of college football is back. But first, we are on our fifth Power Five conference highlighting potential impact freshmen. So we'll get to that. That is the Big Ten we'll cover. But Drew... You can feel it. A little bit of electricity. Week one, Thursday night football. We all know Florida traveling to Salt Lake City. They got Utah, Cam Rising, not going to play in that game. Huge game for Billy Napier and the Gators. But, Drew, how about this? Nebraska, Minnesota. You, me, Lance, we're just talking about this one. I feel like nobody's talked about this game. I'm fired up about Nebraska. We're going to talk about them uh, today on the show. And then you got Jaden Rashada, Arizona State, Kenny Dillingham, the youngest coach in Power 5 at 33 years old. He makes his debut tonight against Southern Utah. NC State at UConn. We got player bets fly or prop bets flying. Good time to be back. I'm firing up the grill tonight. Like, I'm I'm all in. We're all the way back. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on the grill? I, that's up in the air. I'm trying to find some inspiration. You know, I, I can't. Couldn't bust out the smoker because that would have required some preparation. But I'm gonna go to the store after this, and uh, I don't know. This is like a holiday. First, that that first Thursday, it's your first taste of it. I'm gonna have two TVs going as well. I feel like you need to go with wings if you're gonna go on the grill for the first day of college football. Wings are a must. I think some nice, uh, some nice chopped up steak. Throw some vegetables on there. Kebabs, Ivan's kebabs. That's what you got. There you go. I just solved your problem. Tacos were an option. Producer Lance, by the way, NFL fantasy football draft tonight. Yeah, I mean, I live in a pro sports football. town, man. I live in a pro sports about town. Priorities. I'll come back. I'll be back to catch most of the Arizona State game. Although, is that on Pac-12 Network? If so, then I won't be catching any of it because I don't have Pac-12 Network. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll catch some games tonight for sure. For sure. Drew, before we get into the Big Ten, Quick question. We just talked about it. We just talked about three games. Like, what's the one thing that you're like, all right, I want to I want to see that tonight, or maybe I'm the most curious about this. I, for me, it's the the Florida game. Like, what does Graham Mertz look like? Flip over to the other side with Utah. Cam Rising's not gonna play, but you got Spencer Fano starting at left tackle. When we discuss the Pac-12, there's some other freshmen that are going to be in the mix. So I just think it's that matchup. I mean, first non-conference road game for the Gators since 1991. That was 32 years ago. It just they just don't they don't do this, and it's going to be a standalone game. And I probably anticipate it being kind of a, a sloppy affair. Where I think, like to me, the key going into the game is like who does not make the biggest mistake. And I think both coaches would kind of play it that way. So that's what I'm going to be watching. Just like Florida, I think like Jordan Castile is going to get the start at safety. Um, they're young, but you got to be young. Like if you, if you flip the roster, uh, you know, the recruiting class you came in has to play. So I just want to see how all that, all, how all that kind of plays out. What, what about for you? What's, what's the, the storyline you're dialed into or or the game you're going to be watching. That's it. I mean, we we how much time have we spent talking about Florida collectively? 
And this is such a huge year for Billy Napier after the year that they had last year. And it seems like recruiting, they've recruited well. I mean, he recruited well in his first year. They're recruiting well in 2024. They need a little bit of stability, right? Like they, they need to have that foundation going into the season. It's okay if you're Florida and you come out on the wrong side of this thing. But I think this game is going to tell us something either way. And I want to see Florida be competitive in this environment. And you know what? With Cam rising out of the equation, I think they should win this game. And I think this is going to be a foundational game for them that they're going to build upon for the rest of the season. And it kind of felt like that last year in the season didn't go the way that you thought it was going to go. That being said, it's year two. Billy Napier's got a, a, another year under his belt. There's some continuity. There's familiarity between the coaching staff and the roster and vice versa. I think we're going to learn a lot tonight about Florida. Graham Mertz over under 172 passing yards. Under. I would say history tells you that, yeah, the safe bet would be the under. What is he? I, I saw a stat this morning. I think he's 55% completion rate on the road throughout his career. And that's the other thing, you know, it's like you've heard Billy Napier talk about Graham Mertz and it kind of feels like somewhat circumstantial. Like he talked about the phone calls he had with Paul Christ and obviously why they felt so convicted to go make him the guy when they went and got him out of the transfer portal. So, yeah, I think that's a safe play. The under on the 172. Is that what it is? Is that the player? Yeah, that, that's, that's what it is. I mean, it's just a, a fascinating number for me. Montrell Johnson over under 55 rushing yards. Like I think Florida's going to run, try to run the football. I mean, but they got a a wave, a a, a deep running back room. So I I just like looking at the player props early on in the season to see how odds makers are kind of viewing, you know, each room, each situation. Because in some cases, I don't I don't think it's it's easy to obtain that information, and there is some there is some value out there before you know, we're a month into the year. So I, I just found those two numbers really interesting. Florida had a really intriguing 2023 class, Drew. Is there a guy that you would expect to kind of make a little bit of noise tonight as a freshman? Andy Jean, wide receiver. I think we're going to see him a bunch. I mentioned Jordan Castile in the starting lineup at – at safety, I actually haven't seen their their depth chart out there. I'm just I'm just going off what has been passed along to me in text messages and and whatnot. So I think I think those two, and then you know maybe Najee Harris up front. Week one, week zero is like the equivalent of like syllabus week in in college. Does anybody ever really remember syllabus week? You know, you know it's important, but. You know, you go back and you think, all right, how silly is all of this? I don't know. That's kind of how I feel like the freshman, uh, excuse me, not the freshman, the depth chart dynamic of just trying to play hide and seek, you know, and then all that's kind of thrown in the wind within the the first couple of snaps. All right, we ready to get to uh, Big Ten potential impact freshman? Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this one. There was a lot of, a lot of names where I was like, all right, let's do this. All right, we're starting in the Big Ten East order of finish. Michigan at the top. Drew, you want the T box? 
I'll give it to you. You you were a former Michigan employee. <laughs> you used to have a a what was it a school issued vehicle. Learned that recently. I did. Very lucky. Very lucky. Frederick Moore. That's who I'm going with out of St. Louis. You look at the returning starters for Michigan in the receiving core. Outside of Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson, that room has a total of five receptions. So who's going to be that wide receiver three? So far, what we heard is that's going to be Frederick Moore out of St. Louis. 1,500 yards receiving, 24 touchdowns as a senior. He had 24 receptions for 359 yards and four touchdowns in his two final high school games. So I think this is a guy they're very confident in. This is one of the first names that came up. Sharon Moore talked about, Coach Harbaugh talked about. They're not afraid to play freshmen. Andre Anthony is off to Oklahoma. Ronnie Bell off to the NFL. There's a ton of production missing there. They're going to need one of these young guys to step up. I think the receiver room and the other side of the ball, the defensive back room was kind of the other way I was leaning as well. But I went with the receiver. I don't think they have a choice. These young guys are going to have to play, so I went with Frederick Moore. And I went on the other side of the ball at, at, at corner, Jair Hill, our number 23 corner. That was a early signing period win for Michigan. Uh, Florida, TCU, both offered late in the process. And he was a kid that took official visits during the, the June months. But just like you said with the wide receivers, I mean, I think Michigan is a little dinged up and inexperienced. In on the back end, and I think Jair Hill, from what I read, in the running for that number two corner role opposite of of Will Johnson, and the guys he's competing with are are dudes that really haven't played much. I mean, Amarian Walker, former wide receiver, now playing corner. I think he's played six snaps. Jaden McBurrows, less than thirty snaps as a kid from down in South Florida. Um, and Jair Hill, I remember when we th went through his senior tape. I mean, I. I liked it a lot. Over 6'1", um, verified speed guy that went both ways there as a senior in Illinois. And I think if you're a Michigan fan, you want Jair Hill to hit. Just for that reason being, he can be a tandem with Will Johnson in the secondary. And the other thing, Cooper, I think Michigan's going to play all these freshmen. I mean, look at the first five games. It sets up perfect. It's almost like an NFL preseason and then you get into conference play, and, and you've got it all figured out. I mean, open with ECU this weekend. Then it's UNLV at home, Bowling Green at home, and Rutgers at home. I mean, that is like four games where you can you can play a lot of bodies. And I think that applies to the wide receivers. You know, there were some other names I wrote down at receiver. Carmelo English, who Michigan pulled out of Alabama. We saw him at the Under Armour All-America game. Uh, and the other one was Samaj Morgan, who – Every time I saw him play seven on seven, he was he was kind of a blur. Lance, do you take offense that that Andrew said he, you got a four game runway and he included Rutgers in there? You want to know the funny thing about that is, <laughs> prior to really last year, the last time Rutgers played at the Big House, they lost twenty to thirteen and had the ball with a chance to score, to tie the game or potentially win it if they had gone for two. Uh. Sometimes these Rutgers Michigan games are a lot closer than they really should be. Again, that game the year before, Rutgers should have won. They missed a field goal in overtime that would have won the game. So, look, I get it, right? Rutgers, you got to remember, was up at half when they played Michigan last year. Uh, so I get it, but uh, 
and Jim Harbaugh's out for those first three games. You got to remember that. They released fine. a whole graphic. They released a whole graphic. I don't know if you saw that of like who's coaching game one, who's coaching game two, who's coaching game three. It's yeah, and then, to see. and then like Lane Kiffin copied him right away. Uh, who did he allow run a scrimmage? One of his one of his assistant coaches, right? He did. I thought that was uh, one a really good way to just take away from the story. I mean, you talk about like just being creative and then turning a negative on its head and making that a positive about, hey, we're going to get some some other guys on our staff, some reps here as a head coach. It's pretty, uh, yeah, tip of the cap to Jim Harbaugh there. I bet uh, that does not surprise me at all. All right, Ohio State. This one to me was relatively easy. And I think if you're Ohio State, an Ohio State fan, I think history has shown. I'm going Carnell Tate here. Also, you know, I, I ran into our friend Mark Pantone in Nashville, asked him about those receivers again, and this is the guy, right? Like, this is the guy. They like the, they like the other guys. They like Ennis. They like Noah Rogers. They like Bryson Rogers. Carnell Tate is the first name out of the mouth every single time. And, uh, you know, for us, Drew, I mean, a guy that I think I don't want—I don't want to say debate. I think just us, just trying to poke holes in his game. And the more you watch him, the more you know he's a bona fide dude. And to me, like he's going to be the social media darling, week one, week two, that Ohio State goes out, they put up a bunch of points, and then all of a sudden we're going to start hearing about Carnell Tate. He's he's next up in Zone Six. They think he's further ahead than Marvin Harrison Jr. was in his freshman development. And we're going to get way ahead of ourselves. Carnell Tate is a very good player. He's going to contribute early. I think he's going to be a household name before you know it, kind of like the Garrett Wilson, Alaves of the world. You know, he's he's going to be the dude um, that everybody's going to be fixated on rather quickly. I also went with Carnell Tate, and when you started – talking about him and what Mark Pantone had said. I mean, I was smiling because there wasn't much debate behind the scenes at 24-7 Sports about Carnell Tate the prospect. I think for us, and we still have a ways to go, I mean, we were trying to stack those three wide receivers. You had Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, Noah Rogers, and so far, what, six, seven months in, it seems like we got it right with Carnell Tate being the guy. Finishes the number three wide receiver for us in the 2023 cycle. Number 22 overall. First guy that lost his black helmet stripe of the freshman this spring. Um, shined in the, I think he made some plays in the spring game as well. Carnell Tate, type of one of those guys just kind of good at everything like i i've said this in the past i don't know like what his one elite skill is or what his one trait is that you're always going to bring up but man he is good just all around as a senior at img you know 30 catches for 777 yards that doesn't sound like much but img's passing attack traditionally low volume uh, and then I always go back to his final game at IMG. They played on the road at St. Francis Academy. It was a, a cold night and six catches, 130 yards and two touchdowns. I thought he won the game for IMG on a field full of power five players. Um, I've seen him return kickoffs for touchdowns. He's just, he's good. 
He's really good. And, and, and my player comp has been kind of Calvin Ridley a little bit. I think you can just kind of pick an NFL wide receiver and you can kind of make that player comparison work. The final thing I'll say on Carnell Tate too, man, is like just, just a get easy guy to root for, you know, given what has happened in his life here uh, over the past month with it, him losing his mother, you know, Close, he's. I, I'm close to some people that he's close with, and I, I saw them over the weekend, and they had spent some time with Carnell Tate. And I think for him, football is such an important outlet right now. Um, so I hope he goes out there. And you're right, Cooper. I hope you know in the third, fourth quarter, he's scoring touchdowns, and then as you wake up Sunday morning and you're you know watching Sports Center, that that's one of the highlights they show because uh, Carnell Tate going through some difficult stuff. And I, I do think he's going to make an impact here in, in 2023. It is interesting. I don't know how you felt about like Zachariah Branch, but it is interesting to like cover these guys for two, three years and then feel very convicted throughout the process and then see them do what you know they're capable of doing on the biggest stage and then see everybody reacting to it. Because for the first time, the majority of the audience or the people watching, yeah, sure, they, they maybe read up on a Zachariah Branch or a Carnell Tate. and They're excited. But it's their first time seeing it, right? And the response to like Zachariah Branch was, it was interesting to me. Because he's overnight, he's become like the sensation. He got a phone call from Odell Beckham, right? He's, Did he really? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just... It's funny to me, and I fully expect that with Carnell Tate, right? He's gonna he's gonna be one of those guys, going to be the face of college football here in a couple of years. I think we should also point out Ryan Day said three other freshmen are gonna for sure play. I mean, Carnell Tate was was the fourth guy. I thought this was an interesting group, Cooper, and the reason why is all three of these guys are from the state of Ohio. So he said Arvell Reese who we graded out, I believe, as a linebacker. I think he's working in an edge role now, going to be a guy on special teams. Malik Hartford, who I really liked at the All-American Bowl when I showed up and saw him in one practice, he's going to be in the rotation in the secondary. And then Luke Montgomery, I think from my understanding, I mean, just reading all these various Ohio State sites, I, I think he's kind of like the sixth offense alignment for Ohio State. And and again, you know, all three of those guys from Ohio, Mark Pantone, when he came on the podcast, talked about Ohio State needs to dominate regionally. And I think if those three can all play, and that's a little proof in the pudding when they go out and, and try to keep these guys home. Malik Harfer was one that I was really excited to to hear about from Coach Day, just in terms of the feedback. I think he's at it like close to 20 pounds. I need to go back and research that, but I think that what I read was that he's hovering around 190 pounds, which I think our biggest question mark with him is when he showed up in San Antonio is that he kind of had a narrow frame. Yeah. Was he going to be able to put on the weight? He was he, one he, of the more impressive guys throughout the entire week. Uh, just lean. I compared him to Lathan Ransom, who's also at Ohio State, like just in terms of the build. And I said I thought he was better than Lathan Ransom, and I, I don't think some Ohio State fans like that that player comp when I gave it out. It's a compliment. <laughs> All right, yeah. Penn State, return of the Mac. 
King Mac, you know, James Franklin was talking about, hey, they got three or four freshmen that he is given the quote unquote green light to. King Mac, I was happy to hear is one of those guys. Not shocked, Drew. I mean, this is like you talk about a fan favorite at 24-7 sports. That was King Mac, right? St. Thomas Aquinas can literally play every position in the secondary. And on top of that, you knew he was going to be difficult to keep off the field because of his impact on special teams. And James Franklin talked about that. Listen, they got a ways to go defensively, but in terms of these guys making an impact on special teams, that's going to be their path to the field. This guy's a ball player. Like football instincts, intelligence, it shows up on tape, and I love that. And then on top of that, you go through every critical factor and verified metric. He checks all those boxes. So to marry the objective and the subjective part of the evaluation, I mean, King Mac is like a dream of a player to evaluate. He was he was really one of my favorite players in all of last year's cycle. My guy, King Mac. Um, that's who I also put down. And you're right, James Franklin – Gave four freshmen the green light. I think they also what use red yellow light, which could be in need, and then red light is red shirt, red, red on red. Um, King Max, the only one of the four that did not enroll early. And different buzzwords were thrown out there by the, the staff, like Terry Smith calling him explosive, uh, ready to go. Seems like they can use him in the nickel, like you said, Cooper. I mean, I wrote in his evaluation, I called him like a five-tool center fielder. Like, he can kind of do it all. He's got the range. He'll hit you. He can run. He's instinctive. Uh, he can double as a return man. Like, he is just a football player and a football player you want. And I had a chance to see King Mac at a regional track meet. And I've, I've brought this up in the past. And – he is going up a kid against a kid who is is running somewhere in in the SEC at a, a track program, and it was his rival in the 400 meter dash. And King Mac, as a junior, was the 3A champ in, in Florida in the 400. Talked about it in the past. I think it's one of the most difficult events in track and field. King Mac dove across the finish line in a regional meet to beat this kid, and it was one of the more impressive things I've seen. I mean, if you take second, you're still going on to States and King Mac wanted it that bad. So he's got that drive and, you know, him headed to Penn state. We know what they do with that strength program. I mean, this is, this is not surprising. And the other thing with, with King Mac, he's coming from St. Thomas Aquinas. The kids that come out of St. Thomas Aquinas usually are ready to go and they're ready to go as true freshmen. It's just like St. John Bosco. Uh, last year it was Mason Taylor as a true freshman tight end at LSU. Zion Turner, true freshman quarterback at UConn, and then Camden Brown, a, a true freshman wide receiver at Auburn. Not all the kids out of St. STA are going to hit, um, but the top guys that the people you talk with there endorse and they mean it usually pan out and they usually play early. All right, Drew, this next one, I, I got to admit, I was flying blind. And there's been a couple of these programs every time that we, we do this that I'm like, just can't find anything. I didn't have the phone friend option either. I didn't. I couldn't find anything. So, I made an educated guess on a player that I really liked in the evaluation process. I went with Michael Harris. Okay. 
And that was more of maybe not a guy that you would expect to crack the two deep, but I, I, at least the floor to me is that this guy's going to get some run somewhere, right? And if you don't know anything about Michael Harris, one of the twin brothers that split up, Drew, and you called this. You were like, everybody thought these guys were going to be a package deal. The two brothers from Lake, Lake Brantley, really good players. It was either Maryland or Central Florida, and they ended up splitting. Andrew Harris went to UCF. Michael Harris went to Maryland. <laughs> was that during the early signing? That was traditional signing day, right? I think so. Yeah, we're talking about Maryland. I don't think you threw out the program there. Um, my takeaway, digging into the research on Maryland, is like, dang, they are a pretty pretty veteran team. And they also have a lot of guys from Florida that have transferred in from like various, various parts. I went with Rico Walker, who was Maryland's highest ranked signee in the 2023 cycle. We had him as the number 12 athlete. I think we thought throughout the evaluation process, like edge, 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 edge. And then he showed up to the Under Armour All-America game and they gave him some run at tight end. Well, he's in the tight end room there. Maryland has lost a lot from that that room. And Matt Miller, the tight end coach, is now the OC at Charlotte. Um, CJ Dupree, he transferred to Alabama. Um, they've sent some guys to the pros recently. Our, our guy, Chagosi, with the Tennessee Titans. Um, so Walker might, you know, he might not be the number one or number two, but I think he could be in some situational packages. Josh Gaddis, the new offensive coordinator there. We know he likes to use tight ends. When I think I just think Maryland, I think tight ends. So that's who I kind of went with. And he he had some, I think he had two catches in the spring game, but Maryland did not have a a big signing class when it came to the high schoolers in general. And a lot of transfers in along with like sixth and seventh year players when you when you look at the projected depth charts. Rico Walker. Does it surprise you that he's playing tight end? I thought edge all the way. That's what I just said. Like you thought edge, edge, edge. I remember talking to him in Orlando at check-in. I'm like, oh, like what position are you playing? He's like, I'm a tight end. I'm like, okay. I I don't even remember him having much film on the offensive side of the ball. I remember a little, but it was like situational, right? It's like goal line packages and. Wouldn't yeah. anything like, yeah, this guy is an inline tight end at the next level. Who knows? That that might be why Maryland got him at the end of the day, right? I think it was. Yeah. All right, Drew, this one was my favorite. Michigan State went with by Job. Good. I'm glad you went of, with I'm glad you went with him. By way of Senegal. I I'm fired up about this dude. This guy kind of kicked it into another gear in, in January when we saw him at the All American Bowl. Came in, Drew. What do you have? 35-inch arms? Super long. And I don't want to say it was a difficult evaluation, but an intriguing evaluation given his background, his exposure to football, playing in a lower classification in Oklahoma. It was just like, I don't know what to expect out of this dude. And then he showed up, and it was like, this dude is just annoying energy. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it. And I and I mean that in a good way. I mean, he was all over the place. Super high motor. Would talk. He would talk a lot. 
And I was like, man, this is one of those dudes. I mean, you, you think of everything that he has in his body athletically. He hadn't even scratched the surface of what he's going to be. I'm not even talking about physically, like technically. He's still figuring it out. And he was making plays, being disruptive, just based off of his pure athleticism. And then when you hear the Michigan State coaching staff talk about him, it's like, I don't know how we keep this dude off the field. That's what he is right now. He just wins with pure speed and athleticism. Wait till he figures the other part out. I think this guy, situationally, you're going to see from day one. I think the the strength of kind of Michigan's roster is that front seven. But I agree. Like, how do you not get him on the field? I think by Joe is one of my – one of my favorite things about like showing up kind of midway through the all American bowl is like, you don't see everyone, but as you're out and about in the lovely town of San Antonio, you know, in the evening hours, I mean, these players are out hanging out. Um, and I remember walking past the group of them and I was like, who the hell is that? And in a good way to, to buy Job, I mean, someone we had never really seen, guy that was on my freaks list came to the United States thinking he was going to play basketball. And then in the practices, like he is, he's talking trash. And like, you would have not had that on the bingo card. Like you would have thought he would have been essentially kind of swimming in, in everything lost, you know, treading water, whatever term you want to use. Uh, I'm glad you used him because he was a guy I had, I'm going with Jordan Hall linebacker out of IMG Academy, finished number 17 for us. Um, Michigan State, I think, has three seniors ahead of him or, or upperclassmen, so he might not have a starting role, but I think key contributor on special teams. He has gotten rave reviews from the coaching staff ever since he arrived in East Lansing. He was there for spring football. I mean, when he was at IMG Academy, and you talked about on the last podcast, I mean, how loaded was that defense? Well, Jordan Hall was the guy that called the signals, made the checks, made sure everyone was aligned where they needed to be. And he had done that for two years. Um, everyone in that program loved Jordan Hall. So I think he's the Mike of the future for them. And then Cooper, the other thing is like looking at Michigan State's too deep or, or depth chart, like I got to see them play. And I think they're on Friday night, right? They play central Michigan. Like that roster is fascinating for me. I, what do they do at quarterback? Kaden Hauser or Noah Kim, Kaden Hauser's kid. I liked at the elite 11 finals went to Bosco. I mean, w- what happens there? Jerron Glover fighting for a, a, a spot in the wide receiver rotation. He was a kid. They, Lucked out of Florida. You know, I had a high three-star grade on him. Thought he kind of slipped under under the cracks. And then the big one is Chris Bogle, former top 100 recruit, former All-American Bowl. Got some run at Florida. Decided to transfer to Michigan State. Dinged up. Like, is he who we thought he was? I I mean, I got to see what happens at Michigan State. And I think it's a big year for Mel Tucker. Huge year for Mel Tucker. How about Central Michigan, by the way? Their quarterback coach. I think we talked about him. It was on the 30 under 30 list. I forget how old he is. Yeah, he is young. I think he might be 
might be involved a little bit in what they're doing over there. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, big game for Michigan State on Friday, even though it's Central Michigan. It feels like every game is big for Mel Tucker. All right, the moment we've all been waiting for. Rutgers. Lance Glenn, you've been sitting over there patiently. I, You know, Drew and I were just going back and forth before the show even started, and we are like, you know what, with this Rutgers segment, we just let Lance cook. Well, the, yeah, the problem, a shot here. Yeah, the problem is though, for graphics purposes, because you got to remember that's what this whole podcast is all about. It's all about the graphics. You guys got to make some picks. So while no, I'll you talk, got two celeb shots, Coach. You can, I you well, the problem mine. is I came up with one guy. So I guess I can well, use you that can, one guy. You can talk about three. How about three? That? Oh man, I yep, didn't prepare but for three. Here's the kicker. One. You got four minutes to do it. I got four Captain minutes you. to do it. Well, first and foremost, I will say this. If you want college football at noon on Sunday, there's only one game you can watch. <laughs> so I'm hoping, I'm hoping to be on the golf up. course. So you're going to be on the golf. I'll be at the game. I'm going. Uh, Twelve Eastern. They're playing Northwestern. Let me tell you something. They better win. I'm just putting that out there. They better <laughs> win this game because if they don't win this game, I mean their bowl chances are slim this year. I think they do go six and six, but if they don't win this game, they are right away behind the eight ball. What's and the spread? I think Rutgers right now is favored by six and a half or seven. <laughs> um, so they better win the game first and foremost. Two. All right. So to my pick for freshmen that we will see make an impact for them this year, I'm going to go to the wide receiver room and go with Ian Strong. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, we had him as the number one player in New York in the 2023 class. Had him as a safety though. But Rutgers is using him as a receiver, good size for a receiver. I think we had him listed at 6'4", 195. Rutgers roster has him at 6'3", 210. So he's been able to put on some weight. They brought in two transfer receivers, Jaquay Jackson and Nassim Brantley, who are expected to make contributions. Jackson make big contributions this year. Um, but that room is still thin. So I'm going with Ian Strong because, again, I think it's a mix-up of He's the he's physically ready or close to physically ready, as well as they're going to need him to play. I think we'll see a handful of these guys uh, on special teams. I know Greg Schiano loves using those freshmen on on special teams, especially since um, especially on defense. You got a guy like Abram Wright uh, Ivans. I know you're neck of the woods down there in the Sunshine State. Uh, I like his potential, but the Rutgers linebacker room is actually pretty decent and pretty pretty deep. So I don't think he'll really get some run uh, mo much of the season, if any at all. Um, but I could see him getting some run on special teams. So my guy is Ian strong for graphics purposes, unless you guys have any names, I'm going to put Ian strong for both of you. I, I had Ian strong written down. There you go. All right. So Ivan's is definitely Ian strong Cooper. I know you phoned me earlier today asking for some help. You phoned so him. <laughs> well, he texted me. him a he text. Me. We're talking about phoning a friend, though. He Bo Masco, me. tell Bo me about Masco. him. Yeah, I did. Well, we Ivan's like your guy. Bo Masco's your guy, Ivan's. You can go into him better than I can. Well, he he played opposite of Jakeem Jackson at Kissimmee Osceola, and John Walker was also on that defense. Um, but he's over six foot. He sub eleven in the hundred meter dash, and if you talk to the people at that Kissimmee Osceola program, they're the Cowboys, one of the better names and logos in the Sunshine State. Like, they rave about this kid. And I think 
Greg Schiano is known for the gyms he pulls out of the state of Florida. Like I think Bo Masco could be one of them. Yeah, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. Um, I guess we'll I'll, see. What? I'll also have a follow up on Rutgers. All right, go. Is it a question or is it a comment? Observation. Okay, go. I've I've gone through a lot of game notes for a lot of schools here over the past week. Rutgers has some of the worst game notes out there. Twenty pages long. Well, we don't want to give away our secrets, so. Well, you can't even I... like. You can't even tell us like a little bit about. What do you guys want to that... know? I'll tell you exactly what you want <laughs> no, to know right now. I, I, the podcast <laughs> doesn't need it, but their game notes are a little light. Yeah, I um. Well, I can put in. I can put in a word from you to to the SID. Um, I can let them know your thoughts. Your thoughts. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ian Strong is the guy. St. Anthony's, Long Island City, New York. Uh, Rutgers usually does a pretty good job of recruiting the Empire State. That's my guy. And for graphics purposes, that's your guys. Or that is the guy for both of you as well. I'm going Bo Masco. All right. Fine. 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 We'll go Bo Masco with Cooper Ivans. You're Ian Strong. You're leaning that way. I'm, I'm Ian Strong. I had him written down. All right, you can now proceed to Indiana. Good job, Lance. Way to cook. He's been ready. He's been <laughs> Lance has been Full ready. Full disclosure, for that though, one I've been up on the screen because I had other comments throughout that I've kept to myself. But yeah, you wanted to make sure that every second was accounted for when it came to Rutgers. Well, no, I'm saying I had other comments about other teams that are kept to myself, but <laughs> who knows? Maybe I'll chime sure. in from time to time sure. in the Big Ten West. Appreciate yourself, uh, your self-discipline. All right, Drew, Indiana, last team in the Big Ten East. I had to phone a friend here, too. I went with Amari Farrell. We'll call it your neck of the woods. I'm not even sure if it is or not. Columbia High School, Lake City, Florida. Safety, 6'1 192. Friends up in Indiana. They love his physicality, box safety, run support. I think this is this is the guy out of all the freshmen that you're going to see early. And they're at Ohio State on Saturday, right? That's they have Ohio State at home. Oh, okay, at home. I also have Amari Farrell, and I don't think we talked to the same person, but the response I got when I asked, he's legit. Just two words. That's that's all it was. Um, and he's going to be, I think, in their hybrid. Husky rolls, what they call it in Tom Allen's defense. I mean, we had him listed at 192. Indiana's site has him at 217. I am not surprised. I have circled him as kind of like the guy that got away from the big three. We see these guys every cycle. You know, a few years from now, it's going to be like, how did Amari Farrell, you know, not go to one of these schools? And he actually camps at both Florida and Miami, the elite camps, Friday Night Lights, Miami's Paradise Camp, before his senior season. And I went back, and I named him as a top performer at both those camps. I thought he was – I thought he had the goods. And I wrote down bigger safety that might eventually grow into a linebacker, which is okay because more and more teams are rostering hybrid defenders that can move around depending on the situation. So he's kind of exactly who I thought he was, Amari Farrell. Drew, out of my picks – of the seven programs in the Big Ten East, five of them from the state of Florida. Now, you could argue Carnell Tate originally from Illinois, but played his high school ball at IMG for two years. Um, you have you got a tough job on top of being the director. I mean, that, think about it like Florida, Georgia, the two states that you cover, 
And to me, it's like representative of this exercise here today where it's like, yeah, there, listen, there's another defensive back at Osceola that's six foot plus and runs a sub 11 and he's going to Rutgers, right? And there's another guy going to Indiana that I really like that's six, two and 215 pounds. He can do a little bit of everything. Those guys just seem to grow on trees in Florida. Can I say and this? You never know where they're going to end up, whether it's Indiana, Rutgers, or wherever. Can I say this? I think the Big Ten does the best job of mining Florida. In terms of those caliber of players? Maybe even some of the elite guys, like Ohio State is involved. You know, We'll see what happens when USC, UCLA join the Big Ten, Oregon as well. But yes, I mean, you can turn on, and I have this running joke with one of my buddies who is very familiar with our rankings process. You can turn on any noon Big Ten game. You'll see the high grass, you know, 11 a.m. And I guarantee you, you're going to see, you watch a quarter of play, you're going to see like 10 Florida three stars highlighted in, in some way or another. Smart, smart recruiting, right? If you're Greg Schiano. You can only find those guys so many different places. Or Tom Allen. I mean, I remember one time I ran into Tom Allen on the recruiting trail, middle of the season. He was out on the road. He's like, yeah, we flew the private jet down here. All nine of our staffers are out at different games in Florida. He's like, there's maybe 10 FBS prospects within a three-hour drive from us. I'm like, well, you got a point. They got a PJ that can fit all of their coaching staff? I'm more impressed by that. I think they chartered. All right, that is the Big Ten East from our team, the Oyster Boys, Andrew Ivins, Lance Glenn as well, chiming in on Rutgers. Lance, great job. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Guys, remember, before we get to the Big Ten West, make sure to subscribe to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify included. We're still talking recruiting, even though college football is here. It doesn't stop. You're going to look up one day, all of a sudden it's going to be December, and you're going to want to know, hey, what's been happening with my team right here? That's the place to find it. Also, leave a rating in a review. If you have any questions, that is the place to do it. All right, boys, hurry up offense to an extent as we get to the Big Ten West. We're going to start with Wisconsin at the top. Wisconsin, really? Projected order of finish? I didn't realize that until now. This one, Drew, I did some digging, and it seems out of just necessity, Wisconsin and Luke Fickle are lacking on some tight end bodies. And they go to the state of Washington late, and they get this kid, Tucker Ashcraft, out of a great program at O'Day High School. And it's this dude's going to play, going to play early. Um, and it seems like it's going to be – they don't, they don't really have a choice, but out of the, the confidence meter, out of all the freshmen that are going to play, this seems to be the guy that is going to get a lot of run. I had him down as a runner-up in case you took my first one. I'm going with another guy from Florida, Jonas DeClona. I think he's on the two deep as a backup corner. Guy we saw at the All-American Bowl. Um, played his football at Naples High School. Seven PBUs. Two INTs last season. He was a six, three and a half high jumper, scored in double digits on the hardwood. I love this kid. Finished as a high three star for us and super unique story. I mean, uh, family is from Haiti. 
His twin brother, who went to a different high school, Cooper, they split up. He went to UCF, and Jonas was originally committed to Cincinnati with Luke Fickle there. Decommitted, followed Fickle to Wisconsin. I thought this guy was a Big Ten defensive back all the way. Probably can play three, four spots in there. Um, and Mike Tressel, the defensive coordinator, highlighted not only like just what he brings to the table as an athlete, but the confidence he's playing with early on. So another guy from Florida, and you're right on Tucker Ashcraft. But I think you need to point out Wisconsin in an air raid offense now, it's going to look a little bit different. You know, it's not like there's going to be three tight ends on the field. Gosh, that's so like, feels so wrong, you know? <laughs> it seemed like a, a 12, 13 personnel team that is just going to establish the line of scrimmage, which I'm sure Luke Fickle, that's still his identity. Phil Longo coming over from North Carolina. It's going to be interesting mix. So we'll see what happens there. Arjun, Iowa. Phoned a friend here too. Good. And the, the, the feedback I got is do not expect a lot of these freshmen to play. So I had to make a decision. Got a little help. Let me know if I'm saying this right. Jared Bowie? Yeah. Dad played in the league. There you go. So Jared Bowie from Jesuit in Tampa, Florida. I think one of the standouts through fall camp as a freshman and a guy that has cracked the two deep, and I think they expect to get a little bit of special teams run. So I know there's not a ton of detail in that pick. Um but this is a guy that they like, and I was a developmental program, right? So I'm not shocked by that at all. Yeah, Sean Bach, who does an excellent job of covering Iowa for us. I mean, he wrote a story like literally three days ago saying exactly echoing what you just said. Do not, I do not expect any of the freshmen to make an immediate impact. So this was one of the harder ones, um, but not surprising. Player development program, like they don't want to rush these guys on the field. As we've done this exercise, I think we've identified who who's in the red shirt game. Iowa is there. I had Jarrett Bowie written down as, as uh, in my notes, but I'm going with John Nestor. Safety. I think they're playing him at corner. We had a, we had him as the number 44 safety. I think he's going to be a guy on special teams um, that could work his way into the rotation depending on what happens injury-wise. I don't really know much about John Nestor, but if 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 Iowa likes him, like I like him, uh, and and then back back to Jarrett Bowie, I said it with like Jason DeClona, Big Ten corner. Like I think Jarrett Bowie is a Big Ten wide receiver. I mean, he is a thick individual. I had a chance to see him play in the state playoffs. Late bloomer. I mean, there was a time when he was camping at FAU, hoping he was going to go to Florida Atlantic. I, I was going through some old notes on him. Uh, I think he could be on a special teamer as well. I do get, do have to give a shout out though. The only freshman to make Iowa's too deep. Rusty Van, Van Witzinga, walk on fullback. Love the name. All right, listen, when you get feedback from Iowa about any type of walk on, those antennas better go up. <laughs> You're not the only one. Did that I mean, name come up? So let me double check my notes here, and I'll do this as, as quickly as possible. The name that I got was Nolan DeLong, walk-on linebacker from Iowa. As far as we know, three years from now, he'll be a first-round draft pick, right? That's typically how it goes. 
are they the Nebraska? Is this the old Nebraska model? With the yeah, walk-on I was just program? thinking, like, out of all the programs that I'm so curious about, that I would love to just be a fly on the wall for like a week, it would be Iowa. Like in the in the midst of their evaluation process, there's no panic in what they do. There's such a comfort in who they are. They don't stray from it. Sometimes you could say, yeah, maybe that hinders them a little bit. It blows my mind, though, every year. Luke Van Ness or however many other guys, you know. It's like, where where do these dudes come from? And they're not just just like guys. They're dudes. (laughs) They're dudes, you know. It's crazy. All right. Minnesota in action tonight against Nebraska. Drew, I went with Darius Taylor here from Michigan. Going to be a guy that they're going to rely on early in the running back. Big win for them on the recruiting trail as well. Winner enrollee, change of pace back north-south, had over 2,400 yards rushing as a senior, had 36 touchdowns as well. Also had over 200 yards receiving, which I really like. You want to talk about being able to get on the field early. You got to do a little bit of everything. So I know they're fired up about this kid. I I had him, but I'm going to go with someone else. And uh, digging into Darius Taylor, he ran for a school record 438 yards in one game, also scored uh, six touchdowns in three different games. I mean, insane production. Um, I'm going to go with Greg Johnson, offensive lineman. Uh, Ryan Burns, who covers Minnesota, said he's the most physically impressive freshman they've had up front since Daniel Falele, who was a giant. 6'8", 400-plus pounds, went on to be selected in the NFL draft. I think Greg Johnson was competing for one of the guard spots. Minnesota, one of the programs that did not put out a two-deep, even though they play tonight. So that that's who I who I went with. And I was hoping to see Kenrick Lanier's name in some of those practice reports, who we loved at the All-American Bowl, wide receiver out of Georgia, three-sport athlete, and we we bumped him up, uh, but I think he might be a year away. Minnesota and those offensive linemen, John Michael Schmitz, second round draft pick. He looks, he just got, he has a look and feel of a guy who's going to play ten years in the NFL. Dude, let me let me comment on John Michael Schmitz real quick. Love the kid, big fan of his. I'm looking at the Giants center for the next hopefully eight to ten years, and big fan, big fan. Glad you brought up his name. Guy's a player. Thanks. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> I knew he was going to be on the Jets or the Giants. Like I just knew as soon as he popped in there. Yeah, he was a second round, second round Giants pick. You got a. You look at that line. You got Andrew Thomas, who's a star. Evan Neal, who hopefully becomes a star, and then John Michael Smith, who I think has. I don't know how high his ceiling is, but very high floor. Big fans of what Minnesota's doing on the offensive line. Lance is a fan as well. All right, Drew, Illinois. It was kind of a good reminder for me that this guy ended up signing with Illinois. We had him at the All-American Bowl, but Malik Elzey. And then you kind of look at some of the things that are being said about him. It seems like Illinois has found something in him, like he's already been there two or three years. And then you look at the pictures that have come out since fall camp physically. It's kind of what he looks like. He's a big physical creature, 6'2", 200 pounds. He showed up at the All-American Bowl. I thought he had a really solid week. but He scored in the game, correct? I believe so. 
And this is this is the dude that they're counting on. Had him in my notes as well. I'm going with Jaheim Clark. Another kid from Florida, dude. We are just this is a Florida podcast. Number 87 safety. Uh Brett said on Monday, Jaheim Clark will play for us. Love, love, love to hear that. Illinois lost a lot in the secondary. Um, and it seems like Jaheim Clark is going to be in the rotation. I thought he was a guy that more power five programs should have been on. I loved his tape. I loved his frame. Also saw him at a track meet, like big six, two back end guy, um, that can play center field and can come up and hit people. And during the early signing period, I said, I think Illinois had found some, had stole some guys from the state of Florida. Um, and, and Jaheim Clark was one of them. One other name that that came up, Canary Wiltshire. I think he might be a return man for them. He's he's more of a slot wide receiver. Went to a high school that probably no one's ever heard of, Moorhaven, which is in the middle of the state by Lake Okeechobee. You know, he claimed he ran a 4-3 at Miami's camp in, in the summer. Um, Illinois was the only one that went on him. 1500 yards receiving as a uh, as a senior there. So Illinois I like their evaluation process. Remember Gabe Akis, who was a freshman all-American? I mean, they they flipped him from Tulane last year. Um a lot of Florida guys there and anytime Illinois takes one, it makes you kind of do a do a double take and be like, "All right, what are they seeing in this kid?" I feel like Brett Bielema's kind of got it figured out it's a team that is going to be a developmental program you mentioned their evaluation chops that i think have kind of flown under the radar a little bit i'm excited about illinois luke altmeyer coming over from ole miss they do a good job in terms of roster building a lot of juco guys too i can see them in a year or two from now i'm interested to kind of see what their ceiling is in the conference you know they're going to be a tough out Nebraska, Matt Rule, and if Matt Rule could create a player, it would be Malachi Coleman. And I've heard it. I've I've heard it from Nebraska's staff. And excuse me for forgetting his name. Um, new receivers coach over there, Is it Garrett McGuire. Yes, he was on the thirty for thirty list. Super impressive dude, and I think they're trying to temper expectations for the for the freshman receivers. You can temper them all you want. You know, when you got a six foot four, two hundred pound athlete like Malachi Coleman that runs ten four six and is forty six foot plus in the triple jump. Yeah, just good luck keeping him off the field, right? So I, he's gonna have to play early in my opinion, but even if he's not ready, he's ready. It's kinda like the by Job thing. You just put him out there and then you know what? It's better than whatever else you got. He's going to make some things happen. He won't be perfect, but I'm excited about him. I didn't even have him written down. <laughs> I'm going Cam Linhart, who I think could start Thursday night at one of the interior defensive line spots for Nebraska. He was a Coop, I don't know what term we want to use here, but kind of a polarizing evaluation. First came on the scene as an edge rusher up in New Jersey, transfers to IMG Academy. Then they start 
using him almost as a linebacker. And then as a senior, fast forward, he is at defensive tackle, kind of playing a three technique. And man, he had some juice. He had what you want to see. He was kind of like a spark plug for um, IMG right there in the middle. And with Cam Linhart, you would watch him. You would go to those games. You would watch the games. And you're like, this is a really, really good football player. And not a lot of people were involved in that recruitment. He was committed to Nebraska. Staff gets fired. And it's like, okay, who's going to make a move on, on Cam Linhart? Maryland got a little involved, but Matt Rule, once he took over, they went back and they got Cam. And I think a lot of schools are going to regret not going after him. And I, digging into it, you know, went through my notes. I think what turned people off with Cam was his measurements, you know, 6'2", just under 6'3", 250 pounds, the big disqualifier for a lot, 32-inch arms, 77-inch wingspan, but 4.57 in the shuttle. He can play a little bit in space, retract, redirect. Um, I'm, I will have that on one of the TVs tonight. I'm excited to see what, what Cam Linhart could do. And I'm going to be honest, I almost went with a kicker here. <laughs> Nebraska, going to start a true freshman at kicker. Tristan Alvano, local kid. Set a Nebraska state record with 16 field goals made as a senior. Hit from 49 yards in the state semifinals. 45-yard game winner in the state championship game. I know we don't talk specialists. I have to rank those kids. Seems like Matt Rule, once they got there, they saw his performance in the state title game. They're like, we have to have this kid. So wanted to give him a shout out. Kickers are people too. That's right. They need a little bit of love. I'm glad you brought it up because I don't think throughout this entire Power 5 exercise where we're <laughs> highlighting potential impact freshmen, I don't think there's been one specialist on here. So well, we're getting down one. to one of our last three <laughs> roster spots, <laughs> giving them a little love. All right, Drew, two more left. We got Purdue, new head coach, Ryan Walters. I went Dylan Feynman, our boy Mick Walker over there who covers Purdue for the 24-7 sports. He said it's the worst kept secret that this kid is going to play, and, and he's been running with the running with the ones. Yeah, shout yeah. out to shout out to Mick Walker. He does a good job. He also he does passed, a great job. Also passed Dylan's name along to me. Fan of the show too. Fan of the show. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know a lot about this kid, but I like the fact that you know Ryan Walters, defensive minded coach, coming over from Illinois program we just talked about at Missouri before that. I'm super intrigued with Purdue. I like the way they're recruiting. I think it's different. Purdue's got a little bit different feel than what they've had under Jeff Brom. I kind of like the direction that he's taken in, and I'm, I'm super intrigued to kind of see what they do on the field this year. Same. Um, I couldn't find much on Dylan. I know he had a pair of brothers that, that played for Purdue, but they're two deep is out and he's one of the starting safeties. They're going to, they're going to run with three safeties on the back end. And you mentioned the recruiting class for Purdue sitting number 28 right now in the class of 2024 with four, four stars committing, including two kids in that top two, four, seven, Coy Beasley, Marcos Davia, the quarterback. I mean, they, uh, I think I like what I like their strategy. They're getting involved in Texas. Like it, it makes sense to me. This last one kind of made my heart warm. Northwestern. 
Crazy offseason. We all know. Jordan Knox. Top 247 offensive lineman from South Carolina. Drew, it looks like he could get the starting nod this weekend against Rutgers. Yeah, I have Jordan Knox as well, and for that exact reason. Played a little bit of tackle. I think you and I kind of saw him as a guy that had guard center position versatility. I think center is the long-term home, but I can also see him playing all five positions on the offensive line if need be. Strong track and field background in the shot and disc. Love the tape. I mean, you talk about a guy that just plays with very little wasted motion. Good football player, understands leverage, hand positioning. Yeah, I was excited to I, I was excited to see the early returns on him. I think it needs to be pointed out. You can carry 120 guys on your on your roster, correct? That's the number. Correct. I think Northwestern has just 103. And why do I bring that up? I mean, I think anyone that of the true freshmen that are there could end up playing. Like, I think depth is a major concern just with guys leaving, transferring out. Uh, Jordan Knox is who I had. And then I also wrote down Frank Cavoy, wide receiver. I think he might start for them on Sunday as well. Former quarterback, in-state kid, 68 catches for 1,300 yards as a senior. Northwestern will be interesting to watch, kind of like what happens there. It will be. I think you and I have talked a good bit about Northwestern and maybe some of the names that we should keep an eye out on. If if they if they don't stay pat, and we'll see what happens after the season. I think for them, it's just about getting through the year and trying to be competitive. All right, Drew, that wraps it up. I mean, five conferences down. We got it all done before a big, big Thursday night of college football. One guy, Drew, out of the five power conferences that we've done, Potential Ooh. impact freshman that you're like, that's who I'm riding with. And it can't be Zachariah Branch. Yeah, I was about to say, let's take him off the board. You go first. I, I wasn't prepared for this. The irony in this is funny for me. I'm going to go Peter Woods. Because of, you know, where we had him ranked at the end of the day, that's a story for a different time, but. They love him there in Clemson. I don't think any of that is a surprise to us. The way he plays the game, controlled violence, disruptive, can play in multiple positions. I just think he's he's going to be a dude that, and a, a name that we're going to continue to hear early. Is this one cheating if I go Caleb Downs? No. But that's where I'm going. All right, tell us why. <laughs> I just think he was built in a lab for Nick Saban in Alabama. I think he could be like a Minka Fitzpatrick type of burst onto the scene. And we'll know pretty fast here starting this weekend. Who do they play? Middle Tennessee State. Murfreesboro, shout out, Nashville office. All right, Druzer, virtual handshake through the screen. Good job, my friend, producer Lance Glenn. Next year, it's just going to be four conferences, right? Who knows? You know, what, we'll have 
SEC, Big Ten, ACC, Big 12. Maybe we get crazy with it. Who knows? Maybe it's a Mountain West and maybe it's the American. Hopefully it's crazy, the American. Crazy world we live in. All right, guys. For Andrew Ivins, producer Lance Glenn, hope you guys enjoyed the Rutgers-filled show that we had today. Also, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify included. Make sure to leave a rating and a review, guys. We appreciate you listening, as always. Enjoy college football week one, and we'll see you back next week. Talk a little bit more recruiting. Okay.